Hello, Fields Church. I know uh, some of you, uh, I think quite a few have joined since I was last up there. It's, it's a strange, strange thing to have not been up with you guys at least once this year, but I'm sure um, many changes have taken place. We're really blessed. I wonder if we can, uh, a little bit like what Danny mentioned, we can just pray one more time. There's, we can never pray too much. So I'm just going to pray briefly for us as we hear the word. And I would ask that you join with me so we're participating in this prayer. Father, we thank you that your word is always intended to bring life. And I thank you for life in Jesus' name coming upon all the hearers, Lord, that different people are at different places, but you have something in your word to bless each and every one of us with regards to our move on with you. And Lord, I want to announce that description that Jesus gave in John 10 10 I came that you might have life and have it abundantly and we claim that today we say we are candidates for abundant life in every area if there are people on this call that need physical healing Lord we're expecting physical healing if there are people that need an emotional breakthrough and a healing in that area we're expecting that whatever area people need the touch of God that is coming in Jesus name amen um, I have uh, discussed with Richard and we were discussing this whole area of the three enemies of our faith. And uh, I know he's covered uh, aspects to do with the devil and then to do with the world. So I'm going to really focus on something that he did the last time, but take another step in it, which is regarding the flesh. Um, I'm aware that Richard did describe and mention uh, three parts to that. Uh, one was our physical body. He got you guys to pinch yourselves to acknowledge that uh, that was part of the flesh, if you like. Then there is the old, unregenerated mind. What do we mean by that? Um, we have grown up in a world that is pretty well anti-God, anti-His ways. And uh, without realizing it, um, and it's not only our upbringing, but the world around us and the environment trains us to walk a certain way that is not in concert with God's ways. Uh, and we're going to look at that aspect to do with our minds, what, what, what happens um, that we don't realize that trips us up sometimes with regards to our walk with God. And the other bit is the self-effort. So we'll look at those areas. There are some scriptures I would like us to look at and initially John 6:63, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. So John 6:63, and in that uh, scripture it says, "It is the Spirit who gives life; the flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life." Again, the scripture John 6, verse 63, and it's a short sort of punchy line about the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to are spirit and they are life. So just bear that in mind in what we're sharing. Um, and then I'm going to quickly read through uh, a scripture in Romans 8, 3 to 8. And this is Paul speaking to the Roman believers, but it's speaking to us as well. Romans 8, 
8. We'll wait for that to come up and uh, we'll have a look at that. And it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, there's again a reference to the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. And this is a key statement, this next one. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God or indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But the focus there that I wanted to bring out was to be carnally minded is death. There is a mind that um, we all have had and it's not something we worked at creating. It's something that was constructed, if you like by uh, various factors that it works against if you like the ways of God it's not something that we willfully uh, sought to do ourselves but it's just been there and that is a part that remains um, and then the second scripture I wanted to read was in Romans 8 verse 12 to 13 in this context the second scripture Romans 8 verse 12 to 13 from the New King James Version. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For, you live, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he's talking there to believers, people who've been born again. So your spirit has been made alive to God. But there is, if you like, this remnant sort of mindset that has been left that we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in seeing changes in that place. And I'm sure some of you will be aware that that happens by a renewing of our minds, a changing, if you like, of our thoughts about God, ourselves and others. So we looked at the fact and we saw that the flesh profits nothing. Well, what does that really mean? In reality, in practice, in our walk with God, in our relationship and to see the salvation of God flow through, this thing called the flesh will not give you any progress, any advance in that. It actually hinders it. And uh, But the spirit and the life in the spirit that comes from his word and the work of the Holy Spirit gives life. So clearly, if we want to walk in everything God has given us, we have to walk in the Spirit that is according to His Word and with the power of the Holy Spirit, using that Word to bring forth life. Um, elsewhere in Scripture, it says, uh, our flesh is like grass in the sense that it is as, um, as temporal, as, um, if you like, subject to the elements as grass. And the picture is that it can't do anything to survive or stand in the storms of life. But the life that God has given everybody, and it is literally everybody who's been born again, has been given an overcoming life in them. I'd like us to say this, and I want you to say it with me. 
if you agree, is I have overcoming life. Can you say that? I have overcoming life inside of me. Great. And uh, that is a very important thing to say because even though we may not feel like it at times, we do have overcoming life inside of us. And God wants that overcoming life to come out from the inside to the outside, affecting our souls by the renewing of our minds and our bodies, our circumstances. We are to have that abundant life flowing through. That fleshly mind that I mentioned earlier can be a significant problem for us in that it gets in the way of that abundant life flowing. I want you to imagine a, a huge dam with water ready to flow onto dry land. And there is some sort of obstacle in the way, if you like, of the flow of that water. The supply is there. The land is awaiting the water, but there is a blockage. And if you like, for the purposes of this time, we're going to consider the flesh as the blockage. How many of you would like to see the blockage moved out of the way? Just lift your hands up. You'd like to see the, all the blockages moved out of the way so that God's life that was in the word that you saw in Jesus is coming in and through you. God doesn't just promise you uh, an excellent life after this time. He provides that life here and now for you to walk in. So we want to see that moved out of the way, don't we? Yeah. And I mean, a bit like Richard, you know, a nod of the head, a thumbs up. Yes, I want to see that life coming in. Hallelujah. Now, uh, this flesh life is something that our enemy uses. If you like, it's a backdoor into our lives and it's an area we have to be watchful for. Like anything that the enemy does, he's never upfront in his attack. He's very subtle and he goes around the back. He tries to hide what he does. Um, and because, as I said before, of an unrenewed mind, in other words, a mind that is not aware of the ways of God continually, we can fall into things of the flesh very easily. Um, if you are in a carnal mind, I'll tell you what a carnal mind often does, because I experienced it a lot in my early Christian walk. Uh, a carnal mind is very much focused on this is I know I'm born again. Um, I got irritated, upset, fearful, whatever, and I fell in an area. I realized I was wrong. I run to the Lord and I say, Lord, forgive me. Now, clearly he does forgive us, and that's wonderful. But God wants to do something more than just forgive you. He wants to get rid of the cause of that trouble. Yes? So you don't fall again. So you don't go into this loop where you have a mistake and then you have forgiveness. And then you run along a while later and then you have the same mistake and then you ask for forgiveness. What he wants is when the mistake occurs, you acknowledge your fault, but you also acknowledge his cure, his, his work, and you get forgiveness and a thing called cleansing. What that cleansing does is it, it goes to the root of, if you like, why you did what you did. And if you like, it deals with the cause of the behavior, the, the way you had it, the thing you did. There are so many of us who've grown up and we've grown up and said, well, I just get irritated. I just get fearful. I just, and we own, if you like, an old nature. But again, I say to you, that's not who you really are anymore. You are a new creation. I'm going to certainly say it. I'm a new creation. 
that doesn't deny the fact that I get tempted in areas. And God wants me to start to accept that those things that I feel from time to time in a situation are not actually who I am. They are traits of an old mind. So a mind that is spiritually minded that we looked at in Romans is not an airy-fairy, high-in-the-clouds mind that is not real, but it's focused on who I am in him. Everybody on this call has access to amazing patience. I know you may not feel like it, but you do. You have access to love that cannot run out. You have access to joy without limit, if you like. And sometimes we have a, a uh, tend, tendency to um, yield to what we feel in the moment and say, that's who I am. I'll give you an example. I used to be the kind of guy who very often I would be driving along on a road and somebody would do something that I considered was uh, not the dumb thing on the road. And I would get irritated and upset, very irritated and upset. And it could affect me for a long time afterwards. And I'd be like knocked and upset and getting my own little rant. And I thought, oh, I would recognize it. I would go, oh, no, I need forgiveness. And I would just run to that point. After a while of getting a renewed mind about who I really am, I said, Father, that's not the way I'm supposed to behave because I'm a new creature. And I started to talk to the Lord about that area. And I said, Father, I want a whole new set of behavior in that area. I don't want to just get upset with somebody when they do that and then get forgiven. I want this thing done away with. So I came to the Lord and I found the Lord talking to me about the fact that I was patient. Now, I didn't feel like I was patient at all, especially in that area. I mean, I would find the emotions rising up because my I was almost programmed for getting upset. But when I began to start saying, Lord, I thank you for the patience you put in me since I was born again. Bear in mind, I didn't feel it at all at the beginning. Not at all. I would, before I would go driving or doing things, I would be speaking this to myself in the morning. Thank you, Lord, for patience. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a kind person. I'm confessing what God says about me. And then I would find that as I started to encounter these situations, my reactions changed completely. I remember the one time something happened and I think somebody stepped out in the road as I was driving and I would normally have got upset. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, they must have not seen. or And my whole thought was not focused on me. It was focused, if you like, on them and their situation. So I found myself being patient and kind. It might seem like a silly thing, but that was big for me at the time. I found patience flowing through and I realized my carnal mind was being pulled down. That fleshly mind was being pulled down. Now, it may be different for you in different situations. There may be things that you say, well, I find that so frustrating. I find that so difficult. I don't know that I could handle that uh, situation with my boss or my relative. And God says, no, I've put a new nature in you. And the new nature is who you are. Can I see the hands of anybody who's born again? Can you raise your hands? Well, everybody who put their hand up in response, if, if you heard me and you responded, you have a totally different nature than you had before you were born again. 
Your true nature is just like Jesus Christ. But you have been programmed to react aside from that nature, and that's the thing we're challenging. Um, there's a situation in, uh, and I'm not going to go to that scripture particularly, but in Corinthians, and I had it uh, sort of written up to have a look at, but in the first 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 4, Paul talks to a church that is tremendously gifted in things of the Holy Spirit, but they're walking like a very partial, moody kind of church. They're very carnal, as he calls them. He describes them as carnal at that point. Because they have got their own favorite speaker. I like this person more than that person. You know, it could be we like this person ministering to us. We don't like that person. And they're kind of hung up on people's styles and what they do. And that is a mark of a carnal or childish mind. They're not growing up in Christ to see God's purposes. They're very hooked on what they like. And he starts to deal with them and he says, you know, you are carnal. I can't feed you solid food of the word of God because you are still at this place where you are operating, driven by your emotions in a situation. Uh, can I see the hands of anybody who's ever been driven by their emotions? In a situation, you've been driven by your emotions. And remember, the emotions don't have to be anger. Um, some people have a, a leaning towards getting depressed very easily. And there can be many factors. I don't want to knock anybody or put anybody down. There are lots of factors. But do you know that if you're born again, that is not normal for you? What is normal for you is to head towards joy and be filled with joy. That is your life. God wants you to enjoy abundant life down here on earth before you get to be with him for eternity. So I realize that with regards to feelings, there can be lots of things we tend to. Anybody has been open to uh, very quickly getting fearful in situations? Any hands up on that one? Yeah. We can hear a piece of news and suddenly be taken that quick by the feeling of fear. And it can be different, as I say, in different people. Um, what is it that God says deals with us in regards to our fear and situation of that, is the love of God. The love of God casts out fear. Yes? So things like that are part of that fleshly way that we have. Um, you know, we can be, uh, and they did in the Corinthian church, they fell for having their own personal opinions, um, and it controlled their behavior and their ways rather than his word. You know, the enemy cannot take an opportunity I don't give him. Uh, wouldn't it be sad if you were trying to secure your home for, uh, for the evening, but you left one of the access doors to your house wide open? Wouldn't that be terrible? You locked your front door, you bolted it, did whatever, but you left your back door open or your patio door open. You've now left a place where somebody can walk in very freely. And if you like, that's part of what the flesh does it gives access to the enemy um, I'm going to go to another scripture here um, that we'll look at in Galatians and it's Galatians 2.20 I'd like us to look at Galatians 2.20 you know 
while we're reaching to go over there and we're looking at that scripture, you have to realize that one thing about the person who said this is that he'd grown up a very strict religious person. He got all his ducks in a row. Everything was fine. And he trusted in his own flesh, in his own strength, in his own ways. But Paul had to find out that's not how I can live the abundant life of God. And for some of us, um, our fleshly problems have to do, we trust our abilities. You know, I'm, I've got a bright mind. I'm very ordered. I'm, I am very patient by myself, you know. So you trust in everything of you without the Lord. But God wants to get us to the place where the only thing we truly trust is the Lord, isn't it? We got saved because we needed the Lord in every area of our lives, not just in one area, but in every area of your life. Galatians 2.20, I'm going to read it in both the New King James Version and the Message. So Galatians 2.20 in New King James Version says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's quite a lot to swallow, but Paul is basically saying, I believe this, I don't live as somebody who's unsaved. I live according to a whole new way of thinking. I'm committed to thinking and walking like a brand new person. I'm not going to walk like the old Paul. I'm going to walk like Paul whom God sees. I'm not going to talk about myself according to my background and my ways and everything that I was. I'm going to talk about myself exactly the way God says that I am. And in the message translation, let me read this. Same verse, Galatians 2.20, message version. Christ's life showed me, showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Maybe you haven't had a problem with ego. I have. I've had it. <laughs> Trusting in the self. And it says this, it is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He touches upon the fact that he no longer trusts or rests upon what other people think about him. And his walk with God is not based on everything or anything he does. But on what Jesus has done for him is the foundation for everything he walks before God. That's a whole new way of thinking, isn't it? It's like living, if you like, of somebody else's back balance, not your own. So your life is lived totally by the life of another. And that other is Jesus Christ. And I'll say this at this point, if there's anybody on this call who has not come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God is offering his love to you today and saying, I want you to have a totally new life. I want you to be forgiven completely of anything and everything you have done, you might be doing or you would do. And I want you righteous in my sight, but it comes by you surrendering to my son as Lord and Savior of your life.
So at the end of this time, I hopefully will be remembered to give an opportunity for anybody who's in that position. You could have even been in Fields Church or other churches, church environments for a while, but you're beginning to realize, hey, I'm not born again. Now, don't mistake that for I make mistakes or I sin here or sin there. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking about that time when you totally surrendered your life to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we'll come to that at the end. And in Galatians, uh, there's another passage, Galatians 5, 13 to 15. Again, I'm going to read it in the New King James Version and in the message. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. So now he's talking to believers who are born again, walking with God. And he says this, in essence, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I'll read it in the message. Same passage, Galatians 5, 13 to 15. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Serve one another in love. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out in no time at all. You'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? So I know that sometimes um, our flesh can manifest the most with the people we live with. Our husband and wife, uh, people that we work with in close proximity, relatives, um, some of us with our neighbors or people around us. Your flesh can really manifest with those whom we say we love. That's where the rubber meets the road sometimes. And I know that there are decisions we have to make um, that are contrary to the momentary feeling that are the best way to see the flesh put out of the way. Wouldn't we like to close the door on the devil in er every area of our lives? Again, I'm just going to ask you to put your hands up. How many of you would like to close the, devil, the door to the devil in every area of your life? I'm going to put both my hands. If both my legs could go up, they would do as well. Because we don't want him to have any opportunity. He's the one who steals, kills, and destroys. It's not God. If something bad is happening, it's because the devil is behind it. All the trouble we see in the world is the cause of of man cooperating with the devil in some form or shape. But we want to stop that, don't we? We want the abundant life. So here's the thing, and I'm just going to touch on some practical issues of the flesh. Um, has anybody ever been selfish? <laughs> yeah, if you haven't put your hand up, I'll pray for the lives at the end. Because we've all been selfish at different points. But that's not, and you'll find me saying this again and again, that's not who you are. You are not at the core of you a selfish person. You are a new creation, and that new creation is incapable of selfishness. 
The issue is this, I have to train my soul to come in line with my true nature so that the love and unselfishness flows through. The, the difficulty is the momentary selfishness I feel, you can put yourself in front of somebody else's needs, can't you? I know this can happen in, in family relationships, husbands and wives. We can put ourselves first, but the putting of ourselves second through the love of God, because we know God will supply all of our needs in every area. It's a choice. It's a momentary choice to say, okay, I'm going to choose to be second in this instance. I'm going to prefer somebody else. Um, a very practical situation is, has anybody ever been offended by something somebody else did? Somebody uh, behaved wrongly, acted wrongly, said something, didn't do something for you. You know, somebody else got a promotion at work. You didn't get it. You got a bit knocked, upset. Okay, so here's the thing. God says, for instance, in that instance, bless them. Now, you will not feel like blessing the person. Don't go by your feelings. Your feelings are the most fickle part of you. They're the things that are directed by your thought. You can change your feelings by what you think. You know, I've watched children who are crying and then they were distracted momentarily by a toy. And I've watched them cut out their crying in a moment and smile and look at the toy. And then they suddenly, I've even seen kids do this. They played with the toy for a while and then they suddenly remembered why they were upset and they went back to crying. What was that? It was a change of a thought that changed an emotion. Right? Has anybody been had a bit of a situation where you were uh, going through something difficult and something was bothering you and you got a phone call or a contact from somebody you were longing to see or somebody who cracked a joke and you ended up laughing momentarily? Has anybody ever had that happen? Your emotions have changed in a moment. How can it change in a moment? It's because your thoughts changed so quickly. And this is the thing God wants us to be washed with. Since I am loved by God, I can bless anybody. It's just a matter of practicing it. So you bless that person who's difficult at your workplace or that relative that's difficult. Or you even bless a loved one who's having a moment in their flesh, if you like. You choose to bless. It takes practice. I'm not saying that you will instantly succeed every time. You may start to bless and then feel like cursing them. And I know Christians don't want to admit this, but sometimes we feel like cursing somebody. We may not do it out loud with awful words, but we might do it with a scowling attitude and silence and moodiness. All of that can be replaced by blessing. All of that can be re replaced by blessing. And it's a continual choice. So here's how we start to overcome the flesh in those areas. I bless when I'm tempted to curse. Okay? I would like you to say this, and raise your hand and say it, or raise your hands and say this. I'm great at blessing. Now, you may not feel it at this moment, and this is the challenge, but you, if you're born again, you are. You are just like your Father God. You're great at blessing. You're just not practiced in it, so you start to bless. Father, I bless that... And you can name the person. 
Sometimes you can bless somebody who has said nasty things about yours, spoken ill of you, or even done something awful to you. This can be challenging, so sometimes you get together with somebody in prayer and you say, I want to confess that I'm having difficulty in this area, and I'm not going to gossip about what they did. I am going to ask you to pray with me that I stand and bless them persistently. Until number one, they're blessed, and number two, I'm released from the aggro and trouble of it. You then start to own who you are in Christ higher than anything else. You know, being a, a person of color, sometimes, uh, uh, certainly when I first came to this country, I experienced little bit measures of racism and stuff. And I never understood when I was first born again that God wanted to deal with these areas. And I've come across wonderful, wonderful believers from all sorts of places in the world who have overturned situations by blessing. I'll give you one testimony of a man in America. He was a... Um, uh, African-American in the southern part of the States, and he happened to be on a chat show with a guy from the Ku Klux Klan. Um, they set it up, and he reached out his hand to greet this man. Uh, the, the, the man who was from the Ku Klux Klan is a guy called Johnny Lee Clary. The other man was a man called Reverend Wade Watson. And Reverend Wade Watson put out his hand to greet Johnny, and Johnny, without thinking about it, he... He shook hands and then suddenly realized the clan rules meant he should never shake hands with a person who was not white. <laughs> and he got all upset. But uh, Reverend Wade Watson, uh, he, I think he, uh, Johnny Lee Clary cursed, cursed the man and spoke ill of him. And Reverend Wade Watson said, Johnny, you can't make me hate you. You cannot make me hate you. I love you. And this continued after, the ch after that chat show with Johnny Lee Clary trying to persecute Reverend Wade Watson. He did all sorts of things. He went and actually tried to burn his church down. He went outside his house and stuck uh, the Ku Klux Klan cross, burnt it. And almost always, Reverend Wade Watson would joke about these things. And one time, I think uh, Johnny Lee Clary phoned up Reverend Wade Watson and tried to muffle his voice. And he said, we're going to get you, boy. And he said, is that you, Johnny? Reverend Wade Watson said, he said, I'm so honored you would call me. I just want to bless you. And Johnny Lee Clary just got so upset. And, and the final story I'll tell you about this, it really is amusing. Johnny Lee Clary w decided with his clanmates that they were going to nail this guy somewhere. So they saw Reverend Wade Watson at a restaurant in, in a town. And he said, come on, guys, we're going to go. We're going to go in there and chuck him out and say this is not a place where colored folk are supposed to eat. And um, he walked in and Reverend Wade Watson was sitting there about to eat some chicken. And uh, Johnny Lee Clary said something to the effect of whatever you do to that chicken boy, I'm going to do to you. And Reverend Wade Watson thought for a moment and then he picked up the chicken and kissed the chicken. He kissed the chicken and and Johnny Lee Clary just didn't know what to do. And Johnny Lee Clary's buddies bust out laughing. And he got so angry, he said, come on, guys, get out of here. And they walked outside and he took all their robes away for uh, whatever season as a discipline. Well, here's the summary of the story. Reverend Wade Watson's love in Jesus Christ, I believe, was a seed. And Johnny Lee Clary left that area and he got into drugs and he was in Los Angeles. He was a mess. 
And in his mess, he cried out to the Lord and he got born again. And eventually, Johnny Lee Clary went back and met Reverend Wade Watson and became one of his spiritual sons. And they toured the parts of the United States talking about the reconciliation in Christ Jesus. Why am I telling you this? The same power that was in Reverend Wade Watson is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are able to overcome every tactic of the devil in any area of your life. Within you is overcoming life and God wants it to pour out, but it will take some practice. I'm coming into land here. Sometimes our flesh will fear others more than it fears the Lord. Has anybody been concerned about what somebody else thought about themselves? Yeah. Now, it's good to be mindful of what other people think about us, but it's not good to be controlled. We must be controlled far more. And this has been an area personally for me. I need to be consumed with what the Lord thinks about me. And then if other people don't like me in an area, God bless them. They are just missing out on a blessing because I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy and I want to love people. So I want uh, us to realize this. God's love for you is like uh, the best picture I can have of it. Imagine the most affluent person on earth who had all the knowledge and all the skills in any area of life. And that person is your best friend and supporter. Right? Does it matter what somebody else thinks about you when that important person is with you the whole time? It doesn't. But sometimes we don't take note of the fact that the creator of the universe is our best friend. And a person, who else is going to prepare a home for you in eternity? Has anybody had somebody prepare a home, built a home for them? I haven't. Yet it says Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. Hallelujah. Excuse me for getting excited, but I think the salvation is excellent. I really think that our walk with God is brilliant. And I think I haven't even tapped into anything like the full amount of it. But we can start to fear the Lord and put that high as a practice. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to declare what you think about me every day. And then I'm going to treat people in light of that. And their opinion is their opinion. You can't control what other people think about you. But God is on your side. Please will you say this with me? God is on my side. Why is this important with regards to your flesh? It's crucifying the need you have for affirmation from other people. You don't need the intrinsic support of other people to make it. It's nice to have it. It's even wonderful to have it in the body of Christ. But I tell you something, God and you are a whacking great majority. You're so much in the majority that if somebody's against you, that's their problem, not your problem. And that leaves us free to love them without requiring something of them. Not holding a justified grudge or grievance. I have sometimes justified my grudge against people. I said they did this and they did that. Has anybody else apart from me gone and gossiped to somebody about what somebody did to you? That is you. Bless your hearts, dear saints. That's you cooperating with the devil. That's you opening the back door and saying, come, please, steal from my life. Come and take good stuff from my life. 
No, we want to shut the door on the devil, right? And we want to walk through into the goodness and fullness of God. Coming into land. I've even secretly hoped that someone who has done me harm fails or has trouble. What? You? Yes, yes, I had hoped that people who'd harm me would fail. Now, I, I never sort of went out and advertised it, but secretly in my heart, if I saw somebody who'd done me harm fail, I rejoiced. And God says, don't do that. That's not who you are. So we don't hold grudges. We don't hold grievances. I pray that people are letting go even now and saying, Lord, I let go of that thing. I'm asking you to wash me of what is not me. And then I'm going to touch on a couple more things and then we'll finish. You value your worth by what you do, not by his love for you. That's the way of the flesh. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make him love you less. When you do something wrong, what you do is you get in the way of that love being real to you. That's the reason why we confess and get rid of it. And I think this is where I'm going to come into land. I want us to realize that we have the control over dethroning our flesh and our flesh ways. God will not do it for you. Your pastor will not do it for you. Richard's a great guy. Esther's a wonderful woman of God, but they're not going to deal with your flesh. I want you to take your finger and point it at yourself and say, I have to deal with my flesh. I have to deal with my flesh. And number two is, I have the power to deal with my flesh. Hallelujah. I have the power. Sometimes we have believed our emotions more than what God said about us. And this is where I will come into land. God says you are not your emotions. You can control your emotions for good. Now, for some of us who've had emotional difficulties in an area, that can be a tough thing to swallow. But I'm telling you, through constant practice and encouragement, you can find that help. I want to ask if there's anybody who has not made Jesus the Lord of their lives and realizes, you know what? I need him. I need the life of God within me. Would you please do this? We'll bow our heads. And if there's anybody like that on this call, I want you to come to the most loving person you will have ever come to know. I'll tell you how much he loved you. Before you even thought of asking him to forgive you, he's already laid it up. Before you ever thought of asking him for help, he's already laid up the help. And he's been waiting for you for all this time to say, Lord Jesus, and just pray this with me, Lord Jesus, Leave you a little room to say it. I recognize I need you. I'm a sinner. Please, will you come into my life? Will you please wash away all my sin? Will you cause me to become a new creature in you? And then will you lead me in this life of glory? Lord, I belong to you now. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to my past. I don't belong to my mistakes. I belong to you. And I'm expecting an exciting, thrilling, but even challenging life. And I love you, Lord. If you have been a backslider and somebody who hasn't walked with the Lord, you might have also said that prayer. 
please, if you are new to the Lord, you just said that prayer for the first time, or you've said it as somebody who's been walked away from the Lord and come back, please will you contact Richard Nestor or somebody in the church and say, hey, I prayed the prayer. I'm sure they would love to hear from you and help you. We're now just going to quickly commit the time, the ending. I know I've taken quite a bit of time. Father, I thank you for each and every person on this call. I thank you that, Lord, we may not be together, but your spirit is in every room, every room in these houses. And Lord, I'm asking for those who need a miracle in their physical bodies, it will begin to occur in the blood, in the conditions of their body, in the lungs, Lord. That headache disappearing, that joint pain going in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for people walking to forgiveness. And Lord, some may even shed tears as they're washed free from bitterness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you so much, family from Fields Church, for allowing me to minister. And I really... I don't know. I just uh, love you guys with all my heart. My dear Sally is on the call after having done a, a tough day's work yesterday. And she's a blessing to me and blessing to the Lord. So um, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>